Good morning, and welcome to Upward Vision. We're glad you've chosen to join us this morning. Upward Vision is a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, with locations in Bloomington and Bedford, Indiana. Now for today's message. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. I, I listened to Glenn read that passage and I can think of three other sermons that I could be preaching this morning. Uh, but today we are dancing with the one that we brought. And so here, here we go. Uh, if, you, if you follow the church calendar, uh, then you know that today is the day of Pentecost. And in our tradition, we don't celebrate this day the way that we do Christmas and Easter. Uh, like no one's getting together at grandma's house today for Pentecost dinner. Uh, but today is, is a big day. You know, at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus but on the day of Pentecost, we celebrate the birth of the church. We read in Acts chapter 2 
that on the day of Pentecost, uh, people from all over were gathered in Jerusalem. They were coming. This was a, a, a regular festival and feast that they would celebrate each and every year. 50 days after the Passover feast, they would begin to harvest and, and people would bring in um, their, their first fruits, kind of the tithes, and they would make offerings just to thank God for his grace and for his faithfulness and for his provision. And so what we find is that in Acts chapter two, people have gathered again from all over onto Jerusalem to, to make these sacrifices and the Holy Spirit fills the disciples and Peter preaches the very first gospel message and thousands of people believe in what he said. They believe in Jesus. They put their faith in him and they're baptized. And on that day, the church began. On, on the day of Pentecost, God first gathered up for himself people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. He began to form this family called the church. And, and from that very first day, even up until now, the, the church, big C, like, like followers of Jesus, we've been trying to answer a few questions about like, how do we do this? One of the questions that we've been asking is like, how do we relate to one another? How do we relate to other people within the church? How do, do people who are different in so many ways overcome our differences to become the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ on mission together? How are we to relate to one another despite all of the things and all of the ways that, that we are different? The second question that the church has been trying to figure out since its birth is how do we relate Jesus to our culture, not, not how do we water down the truth of the gospel to where it is palatable to a culture that doesn't want to believe in truth. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is how can the culture, people who are not followers of Jesus, see Jesus in us in a way that, that they are drawn to him? How can we show them who Jesus is and the life that they can have in him and how we live and how we love and how can we inspire them to want to know, love, and follow Jesus along with us? How do we continue to think and live like everyday missionaries to make Jesus known? And I think that Peter gives us some really good answers in, in the text that Glenn read for us earlier. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to join, uh, to, uh, to turn with me to, to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We're in week seven of our series uh, called Exiles, and we've been taking this deep dive into this letter that Peter wrote to the early followers of Jesus. And in it, he reminds them of a few things, and, and he reminds us of, of these things as well. Um, he, he tells us about the living hope that we have in Jesus, that our, that our lives are built on the firm, solid cornerstone of Christ, a, a foundation that cannot be shaken, that is immovable that our identity in this world is, is as God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and that we have been sent out into this world as exiles, again, to live in a place that's not really our home, but we work for its good and we love people and we, we, we don't like assimilate to it to where we become just like it, but we represent Jesus in this world and, and, and part of God's plan to say, come back to me. That we are to live in this world, but not of it. That we don't get caught up in the worries and the concerns of this kingdom because we belong to another kingdom. And we are under the care and the protection of a greater king. 
And over the last few weeks, we've seen how this new identity in Christ begins to shape all the ways that we relate to the world around us. And so we've talked about like really easy, simple stuff, like submitting to government authorities. <laughs> we've talked about how to find, how, how to act when we find ourselves in harsh, unjust environments and circumstances. Last week, Maggie and Alan did a great job helping us understand what mutual submission looks like in the marriage relationship. And I think through all of this, I think through all of this, the point that Peter is trying to get across and what he's trying and, and showing us all the practical implications of how our faith ought to look and how we should live as exiles in this world, I think his main point is, is this. His main concern is for more people to be one to Christ because they see Christ in us. Every piece along the way that, that Peter's been talking about, about who we are and about how we relate to others, the key point in everything that he's been saying is that people will see Christ in us and that they will come to know, love, and follow Jesus too. That our faith and the difference that it makes in our life is so attractive that it draws them in. That we are so distinct from the world around us that we are actually refreshing and they thirst for more of the faith that we have in, in our life. And one of the ways that we can show the world a better way to live is in how we treat one another. And that's kind of where Peter takes us today. How we relate to one another within the church. In a world that is filled with anger and backbiting, where people hold grudges and talk about others behind their back, where people are harsh and judgmental. Followers of Jesus have a chance to show people a better way. When people look at how we love and how we serve and just how we live, it, it ought to make them go, wow, I want more of that in my life because there is something so refreshing, maybe even something surprising about how as followers of Jesus, we live out our faith, the transformation that, that God is making inside of us. And Jesus modeled this revolutionary way of living for us. And you know, we talked about it last week and, and right in the middle of this section where Peter is talking about how we relate to everything around us, he points to Jesus and Alan and Maggie showed us as, as an example to follow. And you, if you were here with us last week, you may remember that word example. It means to trace over. And, and so as children were learning how to write, their, their teachers would write out the letters and would write out the words for them. And then they would literally go and they would trace over the words and learn how to write. Peter is saying that our lives should trace over the living word. Our lives should trace over Jesus and how we relate to the world around us, that people should see less of us, less of our natural sinful selves, and more of Jesus and how we live, love, and treat others. And in verse eight, Peter tells us what this looks like. Look at it, look at it with me. We'll have the words up on the screen. He starts by saying, finally. And just kind of want to pause right there because if you have your Bibles open, you may be looking and going, well, Peter, you still have um, two chapters here. What do you mean finally? Like, is this when a preacher says, in conclusion, and then preaches another 20-minute sermon after saying, in conclusion? 
I don't think that's what's going on here. I think what he's doing is he's actually wrapping up a section. And, and there's probably a couple of different places that we could look at and say, well, this is maybe where it began or this is where it began. I, I tend to think that, that he's wrapping up a section that began all the way back in chapter two, verse 11. Uh, I'm just gonna read it real quickly. It says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, okay, there's, there's our word, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. And then, and then here it is. Live such good lives amongst the pagan, amongst those who do not follow Jesus, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. And so Peter is now wrapping up this entire section by talking to the church, by talking to us and how we relate to one another in a way that the world sees and says, I want a part of that. And so it says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Now, oftentimes I, I read lists like this and I go, oh, those are really nice words that I should maybe aspire to. But if I'm honest, sometimes I just, I, I imagine the writers, you know, they're writing through this letter and, and they have a general idea that they're trying to get across. And so they'll just grab some words that, that get the gist of it and they'll, and they'll put it in. And so it's maybe seems a little bit like a random list, but I don't think that this list that Peter writes down here is random at all. And there's a couple of reasons why I think that. Number one, you look at this list and I think that these words capture so much the life that Jesus lived. And so I think what Peter is doing in this is he's just reflecting back. I mean, he, he got to spend three years in Jesus' life group. He got to see how Jesus lived and how he taught and how he loved others. And I think what Peter is doing is he's going back to that. And when he's talking about how we ought to relate to one another in the church, he's going back to how he saw Jesus relate. And so he's saying, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. All of these are incredible characteristics that we see within the life of Jesus. And so Peter is telling us, as we live out our faith, we ought to trace over the life of Jesus and how we live. And this is, this is how we can do that. I also think that this isn't a random list because of the way that it's ordered. And we're about ready to geek out here just for a little bit. Y'all y'all with me? Okay. In our teaching team meeting uh, uh, about a month ago, Quentin Bemis, our worship minister, which if you want to talk about geek, it's Quentin. Sometimes they listen in the back, and uh, so that's, that's my test to see if they're listening in the back right now. Uh, so Quentin pointed out, as we were kind of studying through this text, that, that Peter uses a Greek literary tool called a chiastic structure. And all the people said, amen, woo, preach. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, here's, here's what it is, and stick with me, because I think this is kind of cool. It's when writers would say something, and then they would say it again in reverse order, and whatever that middle thing is that they said, that's the main point. And everything else is kind of context to it. And so our text follows this pattern of A, B, C, okay, kind of climbing up a mountain. A, B, C is the peak, B, A. A and B tell us how to think, how to feel, and then B and A tell us how to actually live that out with C being the most important piece. And so Peter breaks it down like this. A, be like-minded. B, be sympathetic. C, love one another. That's the peak of the mountain. That's the most important point that Peter is trying to make in this verse. And then we go back to B, be compassionate. And then A, be humble. 
And both A's and B's relate to one another with C being that main point. And I think what Peter is driving at here is that love ought to be the defining characteristic of how we relate to one another. And it makes sense. Jesus tells us in this world, people will know that we are his disciples, that we are his followers if we love one another. And so that's the point of this verse. And A and B tell us what that begins to look like. Things we see in the life of Jesus. We love one another by being sympathetic and compassionate. We love one another by putting ourselves in other people's shoes, by feeling what they feel, understanding that their experience may be different than my experience. And so in sympathy and wanting to align with them, I want to, I want to hear their story. I want to be sympathetic. I want to feel with them. And then we're compassionate in the way that we come alongside of them. We see this so often in the life of Jesus. He lived out this perfect mix of sympathy moved to compassion. We love one another by being like-minded and humble. And like-mindedness, and throughout New Testament letters, Paul, Peter, others, encourage us towards unity, to be united. And and unity, listen, does not mean uniformity. Like-mindedness in the same way does not mean that we are going to agree and think the exact same way about every single It doesn't mean that we're going to see eye to eye on everything or that we're going to have the same preferences or styles. It it means that we agree on the most important things. We agree on the most important things. We hold those tight and everything else we hold humbly with open hands. Where we don't share commonality, we choose to love with humility. And so we're called to love but we're also called to be a blessing to those who speak evil against us. Again, Peter turns to Christ as the pattern to trace out for relating to those who are hostile towards us because of our faith. So our natural response towards hostility is retaliation. And let me tell you, I, I drove up to Indianapolis twice in the last couple of days and having to go through Martinsville, I can testify that our natural response towards this hostility is retaliation. <laughs> Someone cuts us off, we cut them off. Someone pulls in front of us, we edge as close as we can to the vehicle in front of us so that they can't get in. Someone hurts us, we hurt them. Someone sends us a nasty message or email, we hastily send a nasty message or email back to them. But Jesus shows us how to respond to hostility, not with retaliation, but with grace, with humility. According to verse nine, the grace that we have received in Christ ought to make us gracious towards others. Listen, not because they deserve it. None of us deserve the grace that we have received in Christ. I mean, not even a little bit. And yet he lavished it out upon us freely. And Peter is saying, trace out the graciousness of Christ in your life. Yes, even in how you react and respond to those who have hurt you, to those who are hostile towards you. Peter tells us even to go as far as to bless them, to pray for them. And to not just pray, God, make them better because they're awful. (laughs) 
So pray God's favor over them, his blessing upon them. And all this adds up to treating others in a way that is so countercultural that the world can't help but stand up and take notice. You see, everyone loves those who love them. Everyone likes those who like them, hates those who hate them, avoids those who annoys them. There's, there's nothing special. There's nothing supernatural about that. I mean, that's like when the Bible talks about coming out of the flesh, like that's, our flesh is natural. That's what comes out of us most naturally. But to love an enemy, to bless someone who curses you, to love someone as a brother or sister in Christ, even though you may not see eye to eye with them on everything, that's, that's hard. And that's evidence though of a new life in Christ because it is not within our nature. And believe me, there are plenty of times in my life, even still where I react out of the flesh and all that that does is just further reveal the parts in me that Christ is still trying to crucify. <laughs> the, the spirit is still trying, those rough edges, he's still trying to, to smooth out. And we all have those. But I think the point is that Peter is, is, is encouraging us to, to continue to trace out the life of Christ not just so that we experience more joy and fulfillment in our own life, but so that other people will see Christ in us and be drawn to him. We show people a different way to live, a better way to live that's traced over the life of Jesus. And really that's the purpose of the church, not, not the gathering, okay? Not, not the worship gathering, not the building, the people. The purpose of the church, the people, is to show Christ to the world. Go all the way back to the early church that was formed on the day of Pentecost. At the end of Acts 2, we catch a glimpse of how they did life together, and it was so countercultural. They loved and served one another. They gave to those who had need. They met in their homes. They shared meals. They grew in faith. And as a result of this new community and the Jesus way of life that formed in them, people were drawn to them and they became followers of Jesus themselves. And the very last scene that we, that we see in the early church is in Acts 2, 47. It says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That people were drawn to this type of community. They were drawn to people who followed Jesus and lived out their faith in their everyday life. And so Peter's concern continues to be our concern today. We wanna to live a life and a faith that glorifies God and draws others to him. That when they ask us, why do you act like that? Or how were you able to forgive that person? Or why aren't you getting caught up in all of the office gossip that everyone just enjoys so much? We're able to tell them, listen, it's because we're tracing over the life of Jesus and we found a better way to live and man, we can invite them into it as well. We want more people to see Christ in us so that they may be one to Christ and find new life and a living hope that we have. And as a church, this desire is at the heart of our mission and everything that, that we do. It's why we do global missions, why we come across uh, alongside global partners around the world so that they can proclaim the good news of Jesus to people who have never heard it and they can experience the freedom of grace in their life. It's what drives us to serve our community and work with organizations doing good things to bless those in need, oftentimes with no strings attached. 
we want to tell them about Jesus, not just with our words, but with our lives and how we live and how we love. The desire for more people to be one to Christ and find new life and living hope is even seen in, in why we started campuses at Sherwood Oaks. If you're new with us, Sherwood Oaks is a multi-site church, which means that what happens here, what we call our East Campus on Sunday mornings, happens in a few other um, environments. We have a campus on, our, on the west side of Bloomington. We have a campus down in, in Bedford. Uh, we even have Iglesia Hispana, a Spanish-speaking campus that meets here during the 11 o'clock service. And, and the desire that kind of started all of that was that more people would come to know, love, and follow Jesus. And at Sherwood Oaks, we've, we've just kind of joined in what, what the church has been trying to figure out all along from the day that it was born on Pentecost. God has used the local church to be a community of Jesus followers, to gather up, to, to worship him, and then scatter out to live as exiles in this world, to invite more people to follow to live and love and serve in a way that draws people to Jesus. And so starting new campuses on the west side and, and in Bedford and Iglesia Hispana has, has helped us continue that mission at Sherwood Oaks. And today, as we just look to, to see what can we do, what can we do to unleash and multiply ministry so that more people can come to know Jesus, we have an exciting announcement to share about our West Campus family. Let's check out this video. Hi, Sherwood Oaks family. I'm here with John to share some exciting news about our West Campus. Seven years ago this month, Sherwood Oaks West launched on duct tape and a prayer. I believe that those were your exact words. Yeah, that, those are the words, duct tape and prayer. We didn't have a clear strategy or plan when we started the West Campus. We just wanted to faithfully walk where we felt the Lord was leading us. And after a season of prayer with the elders, staff, and some key leaders, we were confident that he was leading us to the west side of Bloomington to reach more people for Christ. Yeah, and seven years later, I mean, we can look back and see that God has certainly blessed that faithful obedience. We have seen tremendous growth at the West Campus, dozens of baptisms, new leaders empowered and raised up to serve. By God's grace and the faithful work of our West staff, leaders, and volunteers, the West Campus is an incredibly healthy, vibrant church with an effective ministry for those who are in the church and those who are in their community. And now, the question that we've all been asking and praying through is this, what's next for the West Campus? How can we continue to build upon the good work that God is doing here? And over the last several months, uh, we have been seeking the Lord's direction for our West Side family. We wanna to continue to walk with the same amount of faith and obedience that started West, no matter where the Lord might lead us. And after much prayer, discernment, and conversation, the leadership of our church family is confident in this. It's time to unleash the West Campus to become a more autonomous church body. We are united in this, and we believe that this move is critical to the mission of our reaching more people for Christ, helping them grow in their faith raising up new leaders to serve on the west side of Bloomington and beyond. And as West becomes more autonomous, they will continue to build upon the foundation of their Sherwood Oaks heritage. Our two churches will continue to share the same doctrine, the same mission, same core values and vision. 
We will share a commitment to further multiplication into areas where the light of the gospel can shine brighter through a vibrant church presence. And as part of the Sherwood Oaks family, the West Congregation will remain focused on leadership multiplication and reaching at-risk people in their community, the two key pursuits of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Now, let me address the immediate question that some of you might be asking. Is this a church split? Not at all. Church splits are always out of disunity and done in secrecy. We are united in this move for West and want to be as transparent as we can. We see this as a way to more effectively accomplish our shared mission of being people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. Becoming more autonomous will allow us to go further, faster. This move will create new leadership and serving opportunities at the West Campus and allow us to grow the local body of Christ we believe God wants us to be. So what's the timeline for this transition to take place? Well, we don't have a date in mind. Instead, we will allow certain milestones to guide the timing of this move. And the biggest milestone is finding a permanent home where this church family can thrive. That's right, from day one, we've met at the Ambats and it's been a great facility for us. But we've maximized the space. They've given us every room they can, but we still have children's ministry rooms that are overcrowded and our students have to walk across the field to a house where they meet. A lot of our growth has come from young families and we have over 100 kids and students coming each week, but now we're running out of space for them and it's affecting our ministries. We also feel like there's so much more that we could be doing through the week, but we just don't have a place to do that. We have a vision to start a preschool on the west side and maybe even a counseling center, but without a place of our own, we are limited by what we can do. And so over the last several weeks, uh, we've had a facilities team scouting out the west side of Bloomington to see if there is a facility or a piece of property for purchase or lease that can become the long-term home for Sherwood Oaks West. This is a top priority for us. We want to move our West family from a space that is limiting to a space that further unleashes them for ministry and prepares them for a bright future ahead. So how can you help? First, you can join us in prayer over all of this. Pray for the West Campus, our future, our shared mission, as we move forward. Pray for the Lord to show us this long-term solution to our facility needs and that he will supply all the resources necessary to make it happen. Also, if you or someone you know has land on the west side of Bloomington that you think that we should speak with about a purchase or maybe even a donation opportunity for kingdom purposes, we are all ears. Please reach out to myself or to John or you can talk to any of our elders about land or space opportunities. Or you can send an email to info at socc.org. We do ask that you will join us in prayer. There are just as many unknowns today as there were seven years ago, but one thing that we are certain of, the Lord is leading us in this direction. And we're just trying to continue to walk in faithful obedience to Him like we always have done here on the West Side. We know that you have a lot of questions, and we do too. Uh, to help address some of them, we have an info sheet available that you can pick up today. Or you can go to socc.org west for the most updated information throughout this entire process. We also invite you to a Q&A with some of our elders and staff at the West Campus tonight at 6 o'clock p.m. 
we're certain that you'll have more questions and we will have more time to address them this evening. We're excited to see where God leads this. It feels like a natural step for our West Campus and we believe he has a bright future in store, not just for West, but for all of us at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. As we multiply churches, reach more people with the good news of Jesus and help them find a place to belong. It's incredible what God has done through our West Campus over the last several years. And today they are this healthy, vibrant congregation. And we believe wholeheartedly that their next step is to become more autonomous, more independent, so that they can raise up more leaders, multiply and continue to multiply out the mission and the ministry of, of Sherwood Oaks in their community and beyond. So please join us in praying for this transition. If you have any questions, I'll be up here at the end of the service. We got that fact sheet that's out at the info desk and you can join us tonight at the AMBETS at 6 p.m. There'll be a little Q&A. Yeah, I think the point for us this morning as we close and not like 20 more minutes of a sermon, but really as we close out this morning is that we will do whatever it takes to show the love of Jesus to those around us and invite them to join us in following him too whatever it takes. And the reason why we are going to do whatever it takes is because God did whatever it took to draw us back to him. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did the unthinkable and sent his son. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He didn't wait for us to get our life together. He sent Jesus to die on the cross while we were still sinners and he brought him back to life. The power of the resurrection is now the new life and the fresh start that he offers to us. And it's not because we deserve it. It is by his grace that we have been saved. And so if you are here today and you've never taken that first step of faith, made Jesus Christ your Lord and your savior, identified with him, his death, burial and resurrection in baptism, man, let today be the day that you make that decision. I'm gonna invite you to stand I'm gonna close us off in prayer and we're gonna sing one more song. And at the end of the service, if you wanna to talk to someone more about what it means to take those next steps of faith, we invite you to come. Let's pray. God, thanks for the work that you continue to do in your church. And Father, may you continue to find us faithful to you. Father, as we go out into uh, the world this week, I pray that, uh, that people who do not follow you, who do not know you, who are maybe even um, uh, feel... Some, some strong feelings against Christians and, and maybe even the church, that Father, they will see the way you are living in us and the way that we are living more like Jesus. And there'll be something that they'll be drawn to in that. Lord, thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org slash messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv. This has been Upward Vision, a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. With locations on the east and west sides of Bloomington and in Bedford, Sherwood Oaks has a worship service to meet your needs. 
To receive a free copy of today's message or for more information about any of our locations and service times, go to socc.org messages. Thanks for joining us. Continue to look to God this week as you maintain the upward vision.